1: 18.
0: My guest is a journalist and author of the Daddy Do My Hair picture book series. The books were inspired by the relationship between her husband and daughters and are designed to challenge some of the perceptions and preconceptions around race and gender roles within parenting. Her books have become an excellent way of encouraging diversity and inclusion from an early age. Having children from all ethnicities enjoy the books makes an important impact on how children can identify with each other. Through her books and wider writing, she constantly seeks to create mirrors and windows. I love that. Allowing everyone the opportunity to read books that reflect their own experiences, backgrounds and cultures. Joining me today is Tola Okogu. This episode was recorded before lockdown. I've known you for a long time, over 10 years.
1: Go! It's like... It's <laughs> G and I have been together for... Okay, so we were, we've been married 12 years this year. Dated for four, so 16 years mm. almost. G and I have been together. And I certainly knew you before he and I got together. Mm. So we're actually... Closer approaching 20 years. <laughs> Look at that. It's nothing. Look at that. And just
0: over the years, I've seen you do so many different things. And I think you are super creative because if you were to continue in any of the things that I've seen you do, hmm. you would just smash it. And you did my makeup for a couple of shoes. You can make things as well. You did yeah. fascinators at one point, and like and jewelry. And jewelry. Um, and then you wrote a book. Yeah. You've done two. And I believe you're working on another one. Yeah. And, and okay, rewind, because we met in the choir. And so yeah. you sing as well.
1: <laughs> What's weird for me is that I, um, I for a long time, and even still now, I don't see all these things as good things oh. um, or as strength. Like, it's that whole jack of trade, master of none. Thing that always circulated in my mind like you can do a lot of things but you don't see it through you know and all that kind of stuff and so it's like oh well, when you're gonna finally figure it out and settle down and do something and stick to it kind of thing mm-hmm. and so for a really long time, I've never saw that as a positive thing or even a really a good thing and I think it wasn't until coming to understand about myself that when I discover something that I'm really into or passionate about, Mm. I'm very all in, all in. Mm. Um, And also because of, I like to understand how things work, especially from the inside out, I really drill down Mm. into detail about Mm -hmm. it. Um, And it's usually in that process that I discover if it is for me, if it's what I'm supposed to be doing. Obviously Uh in doing that, I've learned Mm -hmm. to do the thing. (laughs) Uh, Okay. You see what I mean? But I kind of, that's my learning process. That's how I learn and stuff. And then realizing that I, I like lots of things and I'm passionate about lots of things. Well, I, not even the passion, I like lots of things. And when I set my mind to it, because I like learning, I'm happy to learn something, teach myself something um, and do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of it just tends to be in the creative area. And for a long time as well, I never thought I was a true creative. I felt mm-hmm. like I was more of a reverse engineer. So I could oh, see right. something that someone had done and then sort of reproduce it my way. But I never really felt like, you know, when you think of true creativity, something, mm. nothing. Right. Truly in your mind, the way artists create something and it's, you, you know, it's not necessarily what they were looking at. It's not a landscape. It's just mm-hmm. an idea that pops into the head and they just paint it or draw it. Or right. a designer has an idea for an outfit and they just draw it. Just- that's what I thought it was. And to mm-hmm. read, nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very little days actually comes from nowhere. People are inspired by things every day, from mm-hmm. what they read, what they saw. Um, that's why you know people who are really good in their field go out a lot, read a lot, research a lot, so they can get the constant inspiration. And the only area where truly ideas do pop into me, seemingly out of nowhere, is the writing. Um, uh-huh. That, that's the first the only area really where that happens to me on a creative level where I'm like oh a character occurs to me or a situation or scenario and then the very nature of writing especially fiction is you do create out of nothing something from the world to the personality, the people, the dialogue everything, mm. it is from you and so it, it's the hardest thing I've ever done with <laughs> my children mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I mean, it's infinitely rewarding, but it's just so fascinating to me to hear you talk about all those things in my past when, as I said, <laughs> I still struggle to see it all as a good thing. I'm now learning to embrace it see as part of the journey because mm. I also recognize that um a lot of the things that I'm able to do now, like building my own website and saving money in that area, is because of the skill sets, the things that I learned along the way and yeah, teach yeah. myself certain things. So I'm able to, within myself, do a lot before I have to go outside mm. of my to get things done. Self-sufficient, yes, good. Yeah, you can yeah. be self-sufficient though, because that's also another thing I learned as a writer. You know, it, it's easy to be isolated because mm. it's such um, it's something you do by yourself. No one can help you with it. You just do it. Yeah. But at the point where you've gotten the words out, written it down, then you do have you to- need people. <laughs> because ultimately you're not writing for yourself yeah people so you need to know that people are going to enjoy what you've written and that was a learning curve for me too so it's definitely been an interesting journey
0: yeah but I think that's what it is because when I think about um some of the things that we do some we have an idea and some we don't and I think for me the surprises along the way um I think that's what kind of becoming is 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 that you there's so much inside of you you don't have an, a, an idea you have a certain you have you know maybe you go to school so you've learned and then you see things that you like oh. but then there's there's that other kind of reservoir that until you tap into all these things you don't get to that bit mm. and mm. I think that's that's why we have to keep on following the the unction so to speak to yeah. to create and make it's not about oh when I do this thing now it's gonna make me the millions <laughs> it's it's you follow that path because it will lead you to something else. And like you rightly say, now that you're in this place, you can appreciate all the other things. But one thing I didn't mention was um
1: your research into hair. Yeah. Cause that started years ago. That is almost ten years. Or it yeah. is ten years now since I started doing that. And that one is definitely a passion mm. Um and it that one just comes from it comes from my thirst for knowledge and understanding. So when I myself started to, to learn more about my hair, how to look through it, started to see the change and the benefits of, you know, the knowledge that I was acquiring, it just seemed like it always seemed silly to me that, OK, why doesn't everybody else know this? you know you know why why can't Mm -hmm. I mean so it's just for me it's always the next step of once I've got it and learned it others must know they must know Mm -hmm. I force if necessary but it's like it's so beneficial and that's how the blog started um and it's just evolved over time as I've grown as a woman Mm -hmm. as a um as a black woman yeah as a a mother um And, you know, learning about myself, my identity, my culture, how that interacts with the world, how the world sees me, Mm. reacts to me, how I want them to, and, you know, the history of our people, the damage to our people, Mm. how hair plays into it, because it isn't just hair. And that's the funny thing. I live for the day when hair is just hair again. Mm. But it just really isn't. isn't. Um, And so... It's like it became, it just grew and became this thing where it came important to me that the next generation Mm are young girls and also our boys because they tend to get overlooked. Yes. um, It's just as relevant to them because when a woman, when a mother loves herself, she teaches that love to her sons and her daughters. Absolutely. Her daughters learn to love themselves and mm. her sons learn to love women that look like her mm. so it's, it's so it's true important for both genders and so it's like okay how do we start to break apart this trauma this damage that we carry with us as <laughs> a um <sighs> wait and my you know and it, it it covers so many areas and everybody probably that's passionate about this topic has a different area that they are interested in or specialize in for mm. me um, air, because it's so deeply tied into beauty, how as women we see ourselves, how yeah. the world sees ourselves, how the world values us, and more important than them, how the value we place on ourselves, which currently mm. is not where it should be. Yeah. And yeah. for me, I'm a practical person. I approach problems from a practical point of view. So it's like, okay. Yes, we have to deal with all the psychological, emotional, historical, cultural stuff that surrounds our hair, but purely on a practical level, if we learn to look after it again, get back the knowledge that we lost on how to look after it, that will go some way to healing a lot of that damage. Because right now, it's hard to tell a black woman that your hair is beautiful or wonderful when it's breaking, when it's not past a certain length, Mm. struggling, and it just seems impossible. She's not going to hear that. She's not ready to hear that. No, no. You have to go the other way, treat the symptoms, you know, before you can actually tackle the disease. Yeah. So, and for me, it's like, especially, as I said, for the next generation coming up, because I have two young daughters and, you know, I'm trying to parent them in an environment that's quite hostile to who they are. Um, and it brings up my own trauma, my own damage. (laughs) Mm, mm, Um, And I'm so determined that it be different for them.
0: For them. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Wow. Whew. That's so true. (laughs) Because it's funny that there's so many people now talking about hair, but Mm. I think it doesn't feel like... one person is saying it and it's enough it feels like as many people as many angles because some people come from you you touch on health as well when you talk about hair but Mm. some people just come from a styling perspective you know people come from different angles and yeah it's it's important and it's not too much and we need it we need the conversation to keep on Mm. um happening because that is how um healing is going to come and also we all have different people that we are called to so to speak so some someone may learn from you know the styling aspect someone may learn from the historical aspect or the you know um using chemicals and what all of that stuff means because before it's like you could slap anything on your head um I I know I went for years with a creamy crack (laughs) (laughs) just you know after two weeks of regrowth it was like "Ah, I need to touch I need I need and then I remember Antonia asking me um why I put that stuff in my hair mm. and I said to make it straight but yet she had natural hair mm. and that day something happened to me I think it was the beginning of me just switching everything up and me like I can't do this anymore because I wasn't being true to myself I was saying you're beautiful as you mm. are but every two weeks yep and then watching a documentary that that was saying that stuff is was- Poisonous and dangerous. Yeah, I know. And you should go. You should be anywhere near. I just, I, yeah. I just, I was just like, oh my goodness. It's
1: um, that critical analysis that's yeah so missing in why we do what we do and Oof. it's lost. So a lot of women are just doing, but they they no longer really consider the whys. Yeah. Where where does it come from? Why do I have to do this? Who yeah. says I have to do this? What is it actually? Uh, what, am I, yeah. What are in this? And too often. The attainment of, you know, trying to meet these Western ideals of beauty, of the lighter skin, of the straighter hair, the tamed hair, the smooth hair, those things that we have been trained in is what beauty is, the standard of beauty. In trying to achieve that, it almost feels like women have gotten to black, women have gotten to the point where the means just, the end justifies the means. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you get it, as long as you get it. And so we'll slap anything on ourselves, do mm. anything in order to achieve that, and that goes back to the value we place on ourselves. If the value we placed on ourselves was higher, if we saw ourselves and our hair as intrinsically beautiful from the get go, mm. you know, or discerning about the things that we do and think more critically um, about the things that we do, and it's funny because. Going back to the creativity of it all, it's like the solutions that I try to provide to a lot of these issues do mm. tend to come back to a creative aspect. So the books, the the picture books that I wrote, the Daddy Do My Hair series, yeah, came about from that whole idea that you know, as children, how do we learn primarily, and it's through books. Yeah, um, and as a culture base as well, Africans we don't encourage reading for pleasure reading is still very much academically driven, yeah. um, whereas the British culture far more um, encourages reading for pleasure because they recognise its benefit and mm. that children learn about the world, their place in the world. And when you are missing from that narrative, <laughs> you yourself, you're not seen, you don't feel seen, but then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the same time, the rest of the world isn't learning about you. About you. And I'm not about tolerance. I don't require anybody to tolerate me mm. um, because that, mm. that's not what it's about. As you know what I mean? Mm. And, and even acceptance to a certain point is still not, for me, like, quite the right word. But definitely there needs to be a level where we all recognize the differences in one another. And it's not a thing. We're just different.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And celebrate that. And there's nothing wrong with being different. Exactly. There's not this, like one has to be better than the other. We're just Mm. different. And a lot of it stems from fear. And the easiest way, or one of the ways to break down that fear, because the fear comes from ignorance, is through Mm. knowledge. Knowledge is power. And so if our kids are growing up reading books, that show all the different faces, colours, creeds, religion, mm-hmm. textures, whatever of the world. And if they're watching TV shows that show this, reading magazines that show this, playing games that show this, then it's embedded in them from the get-go. Definitely. And unfortunately, That's the world so doesn't so operate that way. So I think there's definitely been a shift with a lot of creatives where it's mm-hmm. like, and also deciding not to wait for the establishment to do it for us. Come on, yes. Like that. They yeah. have no the incentive to do mm. so, um, and we're the ones that want and more importantly need it. Need it. So Definitely. we need to start doing it for ourselves, and off more often than not, when we start doing it for ourselves and it's successful, they're the ones who will come knocking on our door Definitely. to get their hands on it, and then it will be on our turn instead of just having to accept the scraps off the table. Given, yeah, so. that's
0: so good. Well, yeah, I think this, um, this journey in to creativity is definitely a brave one mm. um because you have to you you have to, you need a courageous heart to step into it many are stepping into into more into their creativity because they don't have a choice it's like mm. their backs are against the wall you know it's like um like being made redundant yeah. or just not being satisfied at work anymore, and it's like people are asking, "What am I actually created to do?" What what are those things that I've kind of placed on the back burner, and I think I can't do it, or for lack of confidence, or whatever. And I think people are now starting to embrace um, who they are, and it's important because, like waiting for like you say, the establishment, government, and those people to to hear our cry to do what we need is is not going to happen. No. if we're if we're honest this is if it does happen it's going to be too slow. late
1: yeah to be of any use yeah yes
0: um and so yeah i mean we have we have um daddy daddy do my hair and it's, it's one of the books we love to read and i think for me when i go to buy things i'm always making sure that there's a brown child on it <laughs> yeah so there's it, somebody has to look like you on it i'm not you know before okay. i buy something else i have to make sure that you see yourself mm. it's it's kind of a rule um that that I've I've made funny enough I didn't have to do that with Antonia mm. because I don't know I it's I, I don't know it, it feels like it's it's harder now
1: um mm. than it was then it, it feels like yeah I think it is with social media with mm. the internet tv you know even if itself has changed in the way people consume information and we don't live in silos so our children like I was thinking about the other day and I say it to another parent that as adults we're so used to curating our world mm. and the people we associate with and expose ourselves to um, but our children don't have that luxury mm. they have to go to school mandatory and so in that environment you as a parent lose control over who now has influence over your children. So you could have all these rules at home and this and that, but the minute they step into school, they're going to hear and see and experience things that potentially you would not yet want them to, or aren't ready for them to. And you just don't have that control anymore. I think that's one of the things that definitely makes it um, a lot harder as a parent raising children. In this day and age, and especially minority children as well. Um, and I don't know about you, but even with surrounding my kids with all those things and the positive, mm-hmm. yeah. it feels like screaming in the wind. Yeah. The, the we way- have to find <laughs> creative ways, isn't it? We're
0: going to have to find.
1: Well, it's not just, I think the other thing is that what we, we're trying to do it in isolation, we're lone voices. And what we've lost is community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the black cultures especially suffer from that. A lot of, like, especially within the ethnic minority within this country, and you of BAME, um, a lot of the other cultures still very much keep their um, identity, their cultural identity. And often they're very much criticized for mm-hmm. it. But there is a certain measure of protection. In, the, yeah. in that, yeah. Because That's it creates true. a spa- safe space for your children where people look like them, people sound like them, people think like them something that the majority in this country enjoy and take Mm. and it's not until you don't have that that you realize actually how beneficial and how important it is especially in the formative years yeah it's what bedrocks your children when the noise and the voices come from elsewhere especially if you think even just as a Christian there's a reason why we surround ourselves with like-minded people yeah yeah it's so important um and so when as a community we've sort of lost that strength of the masses strength of the community in amplifying the, the 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 words of affirmation that parents are saying so that even when they leave their homes they step into their community mm-hmm. and that same message is being said to them when we've lost that it makes the job as individuals as parents so much harder that's
0: great and I guess that what I had before was community mm-hmm. because of where, obviously where we met, there was lots of people that looked like us.
1: Yeah. She and was, a, I remember. She we was surrounded. Like yeah. three, at least three or four days a week, we would <laughs> all <walk and laughs> be in rehearsal. We'd each other. Yeah, yeah. Like her, you know, spoke mm. like her, uh, culture-based. Yeah.
0: And she's never actually like relaxed her hair. She's never had the desire to. And I find that interesting. Wow. Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I guess I wanted to ask you um, about your formative years mm. and how, like, the woman you are today, how, not that how have you got here, <laughs> but, <laughs> but kind of, like, what were your experiences growing up? And, like, were you, you were born in Nigeria?
1: Yes, I was born in Nigeria left when I was six years old. And it's mm-hmm. always funny to me because I remember very, very little um about those years in Nigeria like the odd memory here Mm -hmm. and there but very very and even after we moved here and I don't know if it was a protective mechanism on my part Mm. to block out a lot of my formative years like I don't I think my clearest memories probably start from like 9 10 weirdly enough oh wow yeah it's yeah it's weird like that for me and as I said I suspect that there's a protective mechanism there because you know, at the time that we moved into this country, um, it was certainly not cool to be Nigerian. By the way. <laughs> now, it's so yeah. cool. You were disowned by your own people. <laughs> Everybody wanted to be Caribbean. If you were yeah. black, then at least be Caribbean. So, you know, it came with all the usual stuff of bullying. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, a lot of the bullying came from other black kids. And it's only as an adult that I realized that a large part of it was that I reminded them of where they had come from. And so, you know, they had to make it clear to everybody else that it was disassociation basically. Yeah. Um. And so there was a lot of bullying and, you know, having to, as a child, make the decision that, okay, for survival purposes, I'm going to have to assimilate and I'm going to have to assimilate pretty quickly. So dropping the accent, stop speaking the language and mm-hmm. home life as well it was relatively easy to do because my mum was going through her own sort of version of that um, and so she sort of dropped the culture in many ways, shape and form right we didn't go to Nigerian parties we didn't go to Nigerian church um and so for a long time I was really disconnected from mm-hmm. my cultural identity from my sense of being a black person my you know friend group was predominantly white
0: right
1: and in most cases I was the only white person and it kind of stemmed from the trauma of having been bullied by people who looked like me
0: right 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 sort
1: of didn't trust them and mm-hmm. I remember secondary school like there was a group of black girls and they they would all be in different forms and classes and then at lunch times play times, they would all it was just congregating to this massive group and they scared the bejeebies <laughs> of them, and I avoided them like the plague. And so it wasn't until um, late teens mm-hmm. that I started going to um, a black church that I right. sort of started to rediscover my identity. Mm. And it's funny because as a parent, looking back on my parents, especially as people who, you know, emigrated and started from scratch to all intents and purposes. Yeah. Their focus is very much was always going to be on, you know, food on the table, clothes on our back, Mm. education, All the subtleties of how do we (laughs) interact with this culture. Even they even, even, they even thought about it. They wouldn't have had the time or headspace. Yes, do it. Even deal with it. Gosh. Um, And so it's now parenting that I'm, have the luxury of one being aware of it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know being a, being in a position where I think, okay, I can sort of start tackling. And it's really hard mm. like, really, really hard. And so, even as I'm growing, um I'm, I'm unpacking and learning different things about myself, why I react to in certain ways, where some of that comes mm. from um how it's tied into the past. Um, my sense of worth, my um, just lots of stuff It's yeah. I mean there's so many times where I wish I had a time machine I'm like oh I'd go back and I'd change, <laughs> it and change that and but and it's only been the last couple of years that I thought actually no mm. because it, this is my unique journey, yes that was super cringe yeah. yes that was mortifying oh god why did I do that oh why couldn't I do that <laughs> but it got me to the point that I am and I'm really happy (laughs) Mm -hmm. with where and who I am yes there's still a lot of growth to be done but I think one of the things I really appreciate that I have now um so that no matter you know how much more that I think I need to achieve or change Mm. or refine about myself it's a certain measure of honesty with myself about Mm -hmm. and so no one can tell me anything about myself that I don't Yeah. Or not I had chosen not to do anything about it, or it's still a work in progress. But it's not like someone's gonna come and say, you know what, you are this, 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 and it's gonna be a complete shock. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) No one ever told me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's and I think as an individual, that's all we can really ask of ourselves. And then Mm -hmm. the rest is your choice, whether you choose to do something about the Mm -hmm. parts of yourself that aren't entirely great or Mm -hmm. desirable or you want to change, or you decide to stay as you are but at least it's a choice. I
0: think
1: we operate out of ignorance, out of a lack of understanding. That's when we both damage ourselves and others. Definitely.
0: Yeah. And I think that um, the journey that we go, like we can't have, we can't put too much pressure on ourselves because life is an adventure and it's, it's something that is meant to be discovered whether it's yourself, your purpose, you know, you, like you say, being honest with yourself at whatever point you're at, then you're able to grow um, rather than being in denial or saying, I don't want this or I want this. It's, it's hard to measure, but ultimately we, we, when we give ourselves to the process of life and living and learning, mm. we become, you know, but yeah, I'm excited. Um, for you and your project and what what's coming up and the woman that you are becoming because it's it's beautiful because we you've done you've done so much and yet mm-hmm. there's still so much to do it and there feels that way yeah no, but <laughs> I think like there's still so much like potential and a lot of things that you probably don't know that you are gonna do and the offshoots of the things that you're doing now like it, it's endless. I-
1: I will say this, even just Mm -hmm. going back to my parents for a moment and that theme of becoming and stuff, a large part of my ability to have done all those things definitely comes from my parents giving me the space in the room. Mm -hmm. Like, I never felt under any parental pressure to meet any expectations beyond, you know, do your best Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to do. I never felt like I had to walk a prescribed path or achieve this or do that. And they mm. gave me the space and the room to explore and make my mistakes and discover and experiment. And I think definitely within our culture, it was certainly unusual
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: back when I was growing up. Um, but it's taught me a lot about in terms of now that I'm raising children and giving them that room and that space, not trying to live vicariously through them, mm. want the best for them, you know, still their journey, still yeah. their that they have to take you're just trying to train them and give them the tools Definitely. so that whatever they decide to do they are equipped to mm-hmm. do it with their ability and not hurt anyone you <laughs> know or themselves <laughs> exactly. yeah and so I think that's um that's a definite big responsibility that we have as parents because we can make or break our children oh, yeah are they're <laughs> meant to be
0: yeah that's so true Thank you. I'm going to ask you one more question. Mm -hmm. And if you were to advise anyone who is on their journey um, about their creativity, what would you say? What is kind of a word of encouragement that you would give them, whether it's to whether it's starting or doubting themselves, whether, you know, can I do this or not? What is that one thing or it can be? More than one. But what's that one thing that you'd say to them to kind of help them in their journey, in their process?
1: Um, I think definitely goes back to that experimentation, trying, be, you know, don't be afraid to fail because mm. you learn a lot actually in those main moments of seeming failure. Um, there's always a lesson, there's always something to take away that's going to help you the next time. Um, and if nothing else, it teaches you perseverance. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially from a creative point of view where some a lot of the time it feels like it's almost luck (laughs) yes you're talented and yes you're working hard but a lot of the situations, circumstances that change things you can't really plan Mm -hmm. they they sort of happen all you can do is be prepared so that when it does happen you can really maximize it and part of that preparation is you know, being willing to put yourself out there, try things. Mm. If you fall down, pick yourself back up again and just keep pushing, keep going. Um, and then I think one of the lessons, great lessons for me is because a lot of this kind of creativity happened later in life, like <clears throat> early 30s is really when I started to really pursue this and think, yes, this is what I want to do. Mm. Um, it's really easy to feel like it's too late or time has <laughs> passed Like it's when you're dead. Mm. Indeed. If you're still alive and you're still kicking,
0: yeah, keep up, keep at it.
1: You can can absolutely do it, and yeah, you just really just need to keep pushing, um, and believe, believe in yourself, and yeah, I mean, it all sounds terribly cliched, but But... absolutely,
0: (laughs) it does, doesn't it? But Yeah. yeah, that
1: is yeah, keep
0: on, keep going, keep pushing, keep knocking, keep getting up
1: and doing yeah Yeah. and surround yourself with a tribe
0: Mm.
1: as someone who's an introvert and prefers their own company and will happily stay at home and not have anything to do with anybody (laughs) um i've learned the value of a tribe Mm -hmm. uh, and cheerleaders and people to support you because no man is an island you really absolutely especially creative things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can't do it in isolation um and so having that tribe of people around you that support you pull you up even just to tell you the hard truth yeah yeah when you don't want to hear it but need to hear it it, it's everything awesome thank you thank you for having me that was
0: so delightful thank you for listening to becoming you to stay connected follow me on instagram or facebook remember being you is your best asset.